Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the roommate that would get sent care packages of cheesy poofs, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, and baseball cards from his wonderful parents, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how's it going tonight? Ricky Clark, I am in a, I am in a great mood tonight. Um, it is, Jerry's season is in full swing. The Mariners are making moves. Um, things are in full swing and baseball season is, I can smell baseball season. It's coming soon. So I am fantastic. How are you tonight? You know, I wish I could say the same. I wish I could smell baseball season around uh, where I live, but um, it snowed a bunch today. So, yeah, we're we're not going to get on a baseball field for at least three months. So, other than that, it's good. It's good. Good to see Mariners making moves. Um, transactions as a whole, not really uh, happening much around the MLB, but, I mean, that's not a bad thing. I mean, we're kind of in the... Uh, you know, they say the dog days of summer. I think we're in the dog days of winter, you know, um, where we kind of just slog on until spring training. So, you know, before we get into any transactions or anything like that, I want to thank everyone again for coming back and taking time to listen to the Forks Down podcast. Um, our returning listeners, welcome back. You know, we're, we're 12, 13 in almost. Um, for our first time listeners, thank you for choosing the Forks Down podcast. Um, we were actually just discussing the um, like country overview um, on our podcast dashboard, and we're getting people from Germany, from New Zealand, Belgium, um, Australia coming in listening to us, as well as a bunch of different states. Um, so uh, thank you guys from not just around the U.S., but around the world for coming and listening to us um, and giving us a chance Uh I, I know there's a lot of different podcasts out there. We just hope we can get into the market with you guys and get you to listen to us and, and hopefully have a good time. About as a, much of a good time as Bo and I have shooting this and, and editing this every week. So um, if you haven't already, go hit um, like on our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram by searching Forks Down Podcast. Um, you can also hit like or subscribe on your podcast listening app, You know whether that be um, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, um, Amazon Podcast, Google Podcast. We're all on there. We all get to see the plays from all that come back, you know, and when we're looking at the dashboard. And you also on your side get notified when we drop new episodes, which, if you haven't realized, is usually on Tuesdays. So, you know, definitely hit like and subscribe and, and help us get our numbers up. Um, Regardless, you know, we want to thank you guys for for coming back, listening to us and and having fun with us every week. So um, let's start. You you want to start with the MLB transactions this week, though, or do you want to start Mariners? We can start with MLB. I feel like there's not there's not too much going on right now. So, I mean, we can kind of cover that. But uh, I guess, you know, of note, um, Brian Reynolds back in the news. the Rangers now have some interest in Brian Reynolds. It seems like uh, from a Mariner standpoint, that would be less than ideal. Um, but uh, the Rangers do have, I think mm-hmm. the Rangers probably have a package they could put together. that might be a little more appealing to the pirates with 
Uh, you know, we've covered them with their deep kind of pitching in their farm system, coupled with a couple extra guys in their middle infield mm-hmm. that they don't really have space for anymore with, um, you know, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. So they can probably put together a package. I'm, I, you know, I still want, I still don't know if it's going to be enough if the, for, to move the pirates right now, but that would be less than ideal if the, if that kind of came to fruition. Yeah, I, I I just don't understand the Pirates. They want like a King's Ransom for Brian Reynolds. Yet, you saw their offer. It was like five years, $75 million. That's not a premium player offer. Like, that's a slap in the face. Just, just get rid of him. Yes, it would be less ideal for the Rangers to pick him up just because the Rangers play, you know, in the AL West. We're going to be competitive with them. Um, so I, I don't want to see him go to the Rangers. I would rather see him stay on the East Coast if he's not coming to the Mariners. And we're going to touch on why we don't think I, – I at least think we're out of the running with him because of one of the transactions we did this week. But, um, yeah, Brian Reynolds, you know, the saga continues. Um, I just don't – I don't know when the ending's coming to that. So. Yeah, and I, I, I'm i kind of leaning it might come towards the – I don't know. I think probably the, the summertime, right? Um, you know, I think if there's a little bit of a note for the Mariners, right, we'll talk about AJ Pollock here in a little bit, but, um, I still think the Mariners, even with the yeah. AJ Pollock move still have a, still have a chance to get him if we want to pull the trigger there. So, um, I guess, uh, I, I, do we want to even, can we, how much do we even want to spend time on Carlos Correa? Um, it just kind of seems like the song, do, do I, we care though? I don't know if do, we care anymore. Do, like, I think like, it's just kind of, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, I don't want to say funny, but. Um, yeah, I just don't know. It's a bad reality show at this point. It's, it's like watching real housewives or something. It's like, just, just get it, get it done and be over with it. You want to be with the Mets? The Mets don't want you. Go back to the twins. Who cares? You know, I think the thing that made me laugh today was the zips projections came out for, um, for the Mets on fan graphs and, uh, Dan Zimborski, who does the Zips projections, included Carlos Correa in the in the projections, but rather than his actual name, it just said Carlos Correa, maybe with a question mark after it. So that made me laugh. So um, it's been the <laughs> made me laugh about this whole thing. So um, it's, it's good that other people are making fun of it too, because God knows we can't have enough people making fun of right. a former Astros. So um, <laughs> uh, other news. Nelson Cruz, Nelly Cruz, former Mariner, he's receiving offers. I didn't hear what teams are offering. Maybe the Mariners might might have been in there at one point, but um, do you do you know of any teams that? I mean, there's a lot of teams that have a need for a power bat, but what what teams seem most likely to be offering those um, deals to Nelly Cruz? Um, so I think it's probably some teams that, um. I kind of have the roster space and kind of have a little bit of a, um, I would say a little bit more of a time to kind of spend on these guys, I guess. Right. So, um, it could be a kind of a variety of teams. I think the twins probably might still be involved there. I know they just picked up Joey Gallo, but it seemed that Nelson Cruz liked his time there. Um, you know, it could be a variety of other teams like the Red Sox, um, you know, filling some sort of hole that they missed with, jd mm-hmm. martinez and they're kind of also just kind of looking for i think people to fill some holes just because the red sox you know after trevor story and you know maybe uh rafael devers where do you go on that team so 
might be another spot. Uh, maybe the Rays again. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of spots for him to play. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm happy about that. We're going to cover our top Mariners today, right? And uh, you know, kind of looking back, we'll we'll, t- we'll talk about it. But Nelson Cruz was definitely a top Mariner. So um, you know, I'm hoping that he lands. Uh, hope he lands somewhere you know, mm-hmm. safe for him. Yep. 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 Um, and then something that I saw pop up probably 30 minutes before we got on the air. Um, Blue Jays adding another left-handed bat. Uh, Brandon Belt, one-year deal. Uh, former Giant um, plays first base. Probably going to DH a little bit Why when he's up there when, you know, both the catchers, you know, one of the catchers need a day off and they need a DH. And, again, Blue Jays have been looking for some left-handed bats because they were pretty pretty right-handed last season, which in the longer run probably hurt them. Um, how you, how you feeling about Brandon Belt going up to Canada? Um, kind of, in, I don't want to say different, but uh, I think it's makes a lot of sense. Like you said, just that team wanted to get more left-handed. Uh, they already picked up Dalton Varsho. Belt will be a nice add for them at the bottom of the order. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely want to play DH. I don't know where else they might play him unless Vladdy gets hurt or something like that. Um, but uh, good little get for them. Just a guy that uh, we'll kind of see how it plays out. And I think he probably wants to win as well. Um, you know, played on a couple of those good giants teams. So, um, you know, back with, uh, back with the blue Jays team that's going to mm-hmm. contend this year. I, w- I want to shout out your sister real quickly, Tara Chisholm. Tara, you always drafted Brandon Belt, and if we ever do a fantasy baseball league again, I hope you draft him when he's on Toronto. Just, just saying, just saying. But, anyways, I digress. Um, you know that was it for Mariner or uh, for MLB transactions. Uh, Mariners notes. Obviously, the big one, the big news coming this week. Uh, one year, seven million dollar deal to AJ Pollock. Um. We got an outfielder, Bo. Like, actually, a pretty decent one. I I feel he's pretty decent. Um, but what are your feelings on getting Mister AJ? Yeah, Pollock? no, I really like AJ Pollock. Um, the fit, I think, it seems just almost too good in a in a sense. Maybe I had. Uh, I think you were you were kind of on the AJ Pollock train the last couple of weeks. So I think kudos to you there. I think. Uh, um, I think I probably grew a little pessimistic that we were gonna sign anybody at this point um so, so i yeah, so i kind of i just grew like i just didn't expect that probably this to happen at all but i think uh maybe jerry just kind of i don't know looked at the roster looked at the fit for this and i think aj pollock probably made the most sense and um i found out that um jerry was kind of involved i don't know if you saw this but jerry was involved back when they drafted uh aj what jeff when the the Dimebacks drafted AJ Pollock back in 2009. So Jerry was in the front office at that time. So there's a, there is, there is a little connection oh, there. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we're going to do some trivia throughout <laughs> this episode, but because we're doing Mariner teams, but guess who the, so that was in 2009. Do you remember who the Mariners first round pick in 2009 was? Remember this? Oh, jeez. Uh, J- Jeff Clement. Dustin Ackley. No, Dustin Ackley. Yes. Oh, that was the, the 2009 same draft. Trump yep. So AJ Pollock, AJ Pollock, and yeah. uh, AJ Pollock, Dustin God Ackley all it. went before Mike Trout. So, um, 
there you go. And there's a whole there's yeah. a whole bunch yeah. of other guys that went wow. before Mike Trout that you're like, who are you again? But anyways, um, back to it. Uh, I kind of felt like, and how do you how I think that AJ Pollock's a, a great fit. I think that he's gonna hit when he plays lefties. I think he's gonna hit higher in the order, right, because of the lefty righty split that he had. Even though he's had mm-hmm. pretty good splits throughout his career, he's you know struggled a little bit more against. Um, righties in 2022 um but uh do you would you describe mm-hmm. i mean he's yes he's a good solid player but would you also think of him as a little bit of clinic insurance right what do you i mean i know that we're probably gonna platoon the two but um how do you feel about that i yes he's clinic insurance um in, in the same vein p tram mm-hmm. taylor trammell insurance because i still have them you know projected lineup you know splitting time out left even even though they're both lefties um i'm open with the aj pollock signing we'll stop seeing tom murphy be put as our dh um because he is currently like even up on mlb.com they pulled out the fan graphs um projected lineup when they were talking about the mariners which um I think it was Feinstein on there. I uh, thought the Mariners had like the second best off season or under the rate mm-hmm. radar off seasons, which looks kind of cool. But um, yeah, they have Tom Murphy projected as our DH and I don't know how much I like that. Um, so I'm hoping with the AJ Pollock signing, maybe he slots in a DH or we put him in left and clinic plays DH or we put him in right and put Teoscar Hernandez a DH. You know, I, I think that adds to a little bit more flexibility. Um, definitely helps when, you know, people need days off and such. Um, I, I really like the signing. Um, I I only hope he hits over 270, 280, you know, um, which I'm pretty sure, like, his career average is around 280. So, We'll see what kind of adjustments he has to make coming into T-Mobile Park, um, which um, is something we can discuss after we get done with this. You know, with with the park projections, I mean, we all know that it's a hitter's park, but it ranked, you know, dead last again um, in being a hitter's park. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with A.J. Pollock. I keep kind of trailing off here, but um, A.J. Pollock, good signing, um, you know, and it's only for a year, so if he regresses, we we got a shot yep, to sign someone else just, next year. Uh, so. Yeah, six nineteen slug against left-handers last year, right? That's um, that's that's just super solid, right? Uh, Nine thirty-five OPS, um, one sixty-one way runs created against left-handers last year. That's uh, you know that's somebody definitely. I think when you know we are facing a left-hander, I would not mind putting AJ Pollock number two in the order behind Julio, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, yeah, I, would you put him number one? Could he lead off? Um, what do you think? Maybe. I think that he, he's never been, um, he's never been a super high plate discipline guy. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think it's still a, uh, like a three sixteen, yeah. Three sixteen on base percentage against left-handers. So, um, there's a there's a chance there's a chance right um uh but uh mm-hmm. 
yeah, I think Julio is our is our leadoff hitter for the definitely for the time being. And um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if AJ maybe does it occasionally here and there. But uh, um, yeah, I think Julio is still the guy with AJ kind of coming in, coming in and out every once in a while. And I think that the Mariners are going to cycle. I think they're going to cycle some version of Kalenic, Teoscar, um, AJ Pollock, kind of in and out of that DH role, DH outfielder role, coupled with you know, Cooper Hummel and, uh, Taylor Trammell and Sam Haggerty. So the lineup is, uh, the lineup is starting to come mm-hmm. together. Now you can kind of see how this team's going to kind of, I think all work together. Yep. 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 Um, other Mariner notes here. Uh, the guy that I, I didn't catch his name, the guy that broke the news about the Raphael Devers situation, him getting an extension, um, kind of noted that, uh, this week, so he said it last week, meaning for this week. This week, the Mariners are going to start talking extension with Teoscar Hernandez. Um, I, I just don't know what we expect, you know, what kind of extension to expect with him. I mean, we've got some money tied up in Luis Castillo and Julio, obviously, and stuff like that. What what can we expect from a, a extension deal with Teoscar? I mean, are we looking four or five years? And is it going to be over a hundred million dollars? I think it's probably four to five years. Um, it's four to five years. Um, yeah, I would say probably upwards of 20 million, maybe dollars a year or so. So I wouldn't be surprised if it makes over a hundred million dollars. Um, he's 30 right now. Um, and I think I think a four to five year deal probably um, probably works best for the Mariners. I'm just thinking of um, when Julio's deal really starts to kick in. Uh, Julio's deal really like he starts making I think twenty million dollars mm-hmm. in 2025, and then I think starting in 2019, mm-hmm. Julio's deal um, really can kind of start to escalate depending on his performance and everything else. So. 2029 2019 was yeah a while ago 2029 yes um yes 2029 (laughs) 2020 actually i think it's 20 it's 2029 or 2030 where julio's deal can really start to escalate right um so i think the mariners have a little bit of time and they're gonna have a couple things coming off the books they're gonna have uh marco they're gonna have eugenio coming off the books and at the end of the 2024 season so they have a little bit of time a little bit of money to play with and I wouldn't be surprised if they get kind of a deal done because I think we've talked about before that they don't really have a whole lot of high impact prospects on the outfield slots right now. Um, and maybe Tay yeah. Oscar, you know, fills that hole for a little bit just because they don't have that. Hmm. Well, that, yeah, I, uh, I'm inclined to agree with you on that. Um, I'm, I'm just really interested to see what kind of deal we give him and, and really, um, I think it's going to be well-deserved, you know, he, he's a great player for Toronto. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping he comes in and, and doesn't regress as bad playing in a pitcher's park now, but you know, yeah. And I'd say it might, um, I'd say it might yeah, we'll see on that. Maybe this is something that develops over the season too. Um, you know, see how he likes it in Seattle, see if he likes the team, see if he likes the the good vibes, right? So maybe it's something that develops over, you know, his first couple months here and, you know, enjoys the city, et cetera, there. 
Yep. Yep. A uh, couple, couple other Mariners notes here. Um, Mariners agreed to a minor league deal with Jacob Nottingham. Um, for those of you Mariners fans that um, have listened and or have watched the team in the last couple of years, uh, we've seen Jacob Nottingham before. Um, they actually, if I'm not mistaken, Bo, they had to make a rule because of Jacob Nottingham because of how many times he was placed on waivers and claimed. Basically, it was the Mariners and Brewers going back and forth, claiming Jacob Nottingham. It seemed like every other week. Now I think the ruling is um, the team, if a team places a player on waivers, um, they are not allowed to claim him uh, in the season after that. So, um, yeah, just a minor league deal and just a little uh, backstop depth um, on that. But, um, yeah, I, I'm surprised he I'm came surprised back. I'm surprised he came though. back, too. Must have enjoyed it. Um, yep, just some more depth and uh... – you know, certainly start. I think he only played in AAA for Baltimore in 2022. Um, so probably in Tacoma and mm-hmm. um, probably making, you know, a call up or assumed to somewhere in there with more depth just for injury purposes, et cetera, there. So good to have him there. Yep. Yep. Um, last deal here uh, Justin Topa, Topa, Topa. Um, we acquired him from the Brewers and another trade with the Brewers. Um, I am not sure who we gave up. I knew it was a minor league pitcher. Um, do you understand why Jerry made this deal? Like, I mean, outside of just having bullpen depth at this point, does this look like a guy we could pros- possibly like have a reclamation project on our hands with? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think Jerry, um, well, I mean, we've, we've mentioned this before that, uh, I think the Mariners are kind of, they don't want to remake their bullpen every year. Right. But bullpens are a little bit of a volatile thing. Like they're good one year. They're not good the next year. So I think Jerry just kind of wants to have a couple more Mm -hmm. um, arrows in his quiver there. Like, I think he just wants to have enough like players in case something goes wrong in the bullpen. Right. And I think in a future episode, we're going to talk about if it all goes wrong, like some of the downsides, right. Or some of the things that might, um, you know, some potholes that we might see for this team in the future. Um, and there's a couple in the bullpen that you can kind of be worried about. Um, we'll mention that kind of when we cover it. So I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's just good to have some of these guys, Jason Tapa, we signed Sam Easton or I, mean, I guess Easton earlier, Easton McGee earlier, um, there's a couple other ones that we've added that I think we're just kind of covering our basis in case there's some, some potholes that kind of some speed bumps along the way for the bullpen. And, you know, Justin Topa, um, mm-hmm. he's a sinker ball pitcher, um, primarily going to throw his sinker and his slider. Um, he's only pitched 18 innings. So it is a little bit of a reclamation project. He's gone through two, two, two Tommy John surgeries, but, uh, He's uh, I mean, his in his very very small sample size of data, he's looks like a more of a ground ball pitcher, which I think plays well at Safeco Field or T-Mobile Park, excuse me. Um, so a little bit of a reclamation like a reclamation project. I think maybe we just want to see what we got with him as well. Um, we gave up Joseph Hernandez, yeah. who will be moving to the Brewers now. Um, had a pretty good season in 2022. Um, a little bit of a lottery pick where uh, maybe the Brewers saw something they can try to get out of him. So. Um, I think it's a fine move. Um, 
you know, just more kind of depth in the bullpen. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, Mariners news notes and MLB transactions for the, for the week. You know, we'll try to keep you guys filled in when, when stuff happens. So uh, yeah, that was that. Now, Bo, to the, the meat and potatoes of our episode. We, we decided to do all-time Mariners team. Um, and obviously there's going to be some gimmies on that list. But um, that, was this something that was uh, pretty difficult for you to do this? this uh, at least this time? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. I feel like the most difficult thing was is I tried to get clear rules from you on this. And you said I kept asking too many questions. So... I was trying to get like, how many games do you want played at certain positions? You know, things like that. And you're like, you're asking too many questions. And I was like, well, I just want clear rules because you're going to be all weird about it when we start playing. So, uh, no, this is a super fun. This is a super fun exercise. Um, it's good to bring it back to the Mariners. I felt like this was a good week to do it. And, uh, was able to reminisce on, mm-hmm. you know, some of uh, my days of watching baseball, some of the players that I really enjoyed. And um, I think we are, um, I think there's some players that I'm going to mention that, um, you know, big favorites of ours, big favorites that we all grew up with. So um, I really enjoyed the exercise. What did you, what did you think? Mm-hmm. Of all? I, I thought you were asking too many dang <laughs> questions. That's for sure. Um, I, the one thing I noted was both of us probably are going to have a little bit different definition of significant impact. Um, you know, I, when I did it, I tried to, I tried to find the guys that were memorable in this organization. Yes. Ricky Henderson played for the Mariners in 2000. I don't feel like he made a significant impact. Like there are some people in this world that you can go, you know, Ricky Henderson was a Mariner. And they'd be like, what? Really? No way. You know? So I tried to stick to guys that you can go, you know, oh, this guy. Oh, yeah, he was on the Mariners, wasn't he? You know, that's that was my de- definition of significant impact. Now, I did also look at time spent with the Mariners. Um, and I felt like when it got to the pitchers, it was really hard to do. Um, because there are – we've had some good pitchers throughout the years – but their time with us was not long. You know, there's a couple guys that I thought of including or did include, and they were off in the Mariners for like three seasons. You know, they're more known for being, you know, on other teams or they just had the injury bug, you know? Um, and so that made something like the, like the pitchers kind of a hard position to fill. Um, I, I know the other, position that I kind of had trouble with was left field. Um, you know, all of us know about Mariners greats and center and right field, but um, how we did it, they have to be a true left fielder. And I feel like there hasn't been really much of a standout for the Mariners in left field, you know? So it, it, it was definitely a fun exercise, but it was kind of hard and then there's just some there's just some positions that are, you know, way too full, you know, like <laughs> right field. We've got like two or three great mm-hmm. players that played there, you know, that could be considered right fielders. 
you know, but, but our list only, only gets one, you know, there's some, we will mention a lot of people. We've got some honorable mentions, but yeah, it, it was a fun. Yeah. Exercise. And I think for, I also tried to gauge, um, like the peak versus longevity. Right. And how, um, Mm-hmm. It was a little difficult for me. I think I tried to I tried to look at single season performances, like who had the who had the standout seasons amongst Mariner players, and it was difficult for me to put um, some of those guys in. Right. Um, so I try to gauge some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have some honorable mentions as well. I probably went a little too heavy on the statistical side, and you know, wins above replacement and war per game, war per inning. So I probably went a little heavy on that side with a little bit of my mm-hmm. own flair mixed with some of these. So just the, just the um, insight there. Yep. How much uh, bias did you put into this bill? How much how personal, much personal bias? Biased? I have a lot of personal bias at third base. I can share my thoughts on Adrian. I can share my thoughts. <laughs> I, know. I can share my thoughts I, I already on, know that. on another time. Um, but uh, <laughs> I had some bias there and probably some confirmation bias when it came to a little bit of this, of, of who I, who I, who I, uh, who I picked over other players. Um, but you know, it's pretty straightforward. You know, the, the Mariners, um, unfortunately or fortunately don't have too deep of a too, too deep of a history with players. Right. So um, a couple of these guys are going to make mm-hmm. a lot of sense, uh, but there's some really good standouts. And I feel like that was uh, the honorable mentions might be more of the fun, more of a fun part of this because it's uh, there's some good things to look back on. So happy to I mean, I'm excited to dive into it. And actually I'm really curious. I have one position in All particular right. where, I'm really curious on how you went with it, given because I, I believe one of these players is like your favorite player of all time, but there's also another player that it probably could be. So I'm really curious about how you went with some with one player in particular. I I know I know which position you're talking about. We will get there in due time. We're gonna go position by position. So um, you know, let's let's start like you would looking at a at a roster. We're gonna start a catcher, work our way down. To right field, and then obviously we're going to have a DH and a utility spot. Um, pitching rotation, both Bo and, uh, Bo and I went one through five. I don't think you're going to see many uh, um, differences there. And then we went one through five in the bullpen. So that's how we're going to do this. This is how our all-time, quote-unquote, all-time Mariners team is going to break down um, for each of us. So, Bo, let's, let's start it out. Um, I, I feel like there was a very clear cut catcher here. Um, so who did you put at the, the catcher position on your all time Mariners team? Uh, my all time Mariners team. Um, for me, it came down to, I had three catchers that I thought it could be, um, one particular catcher stood out more than others. And that was Dan Wilson. Um, Dan Wilson was my guy. Um, and uh, it came for a couple of reasons. I feel like the other two were, were, were Mike Zanino and Dave Valley. Um, but uh, Dan mm-hmm. Wilson was just so consistent for so long. Um, and uh, I think it's underrated to see a catcher hit 262, right, for his career. But he also played just a very solid, um, he was very, also a very solid defensive catcher. Um, and mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I struggled because I, because my, I think Mike Zanino, 
I think on on the whole, Mike Zanino had probably the best season for a Mariners catcher, maybe excluding 2022, if you want to go that far. Um, I got at least offensively in 2017. Yeah. So I could, again, try to wade like peak versus longevity. In this case, I kind of went with the longevity of Dan Wilson and mm-hmm. uh, just how he was so good for so long. Um, that's kind of the way I went with it. How'd you go with it? Mm-hmm. I, I also went with Dan Wilson. I feel like he was the clear cut number one. Um, maybe a little personal bias in there, but when I think of the Mariners, I, I think actually of Dan Wilson and, you know, Obviously, there's a whole lot of other players you think of too, you know, Ken Griffey, guys like that. But um, you know, Dan Wilson was was the man behind the plate, Dan the man, and he, I I looked it up. I I went to like opening day starts for a lot of this just because I wanted to see how many opening day starts a lot of these guys had, and Dan Wilson, um, between '94 and '04, so 1994 and 2004, he only missed one opening day start, and I think he was hurt. Ben Davis in 03 got the start at catcher. And then Dan Wilson in 04 got the start again. So longevity-wise, he was he was solid. He never really got a lot of accolades out of it. You know, I don't think he ever won a gold glove. Um, you know, didn't really ever garner garner all-star votes. Um, but he was he was always consistent by the behind the plate, called a great game, um, a very uh, very solid defensively. So I, I feel like he was the clear cut number one on him on that. And, and I mean, Dave Valley, good honorable mention there. Um, I think he had the second most all uh, opening day um, starts for the Mariners. Um, but yeah, Dan Wilson was my guy. So, yep. Yep. Um, yeah, and Mike Zanino. Like, I mean, Mike Z was, you know, it was never going to be like a, you know, the probably the Mariner. It's a clear cut number one, but uh, I'd still like to give Mike Z, a, you know, a call out. I think uh, he called. I, if you want to talk about defensive catcher, right? Mike Zanino is one of the best that the Mariners ever had, um, and just one of the best defensive mm-hmm. catchers I think in baseball I, the last decade or so. Yeah, yeah. I will say, I you know. If he continues to trend on an upwards, um, you know, parallel, I do think Cal Raleigh could become the Mariners' all-time catcher. You know, switch hitter, calls a good game, has a good rapport with all the the pitchers on the staff. Um, I, I think he's got the chops to do it. But right now, you know, that's, that's 10, 15 years down the road. Right now. Yep, and I guess I should add um, to that so, note um... – so I have it up here. Best war, best war baseball wins, baseball reference wins above replacement um, for a catcher and a Mariner uniform. Um, mm-hmm. The best season, right. Um, according to baseball reference is a tie between Dan Wilson and Cal Raleigh. So uh, I think you're, I think you're, I think you're spot on. I think Cal yeah. Raleigh's trending in the right direction and uh, yeah, we'll see where he goes. Yep. Yep. Um, first base, uh, I have I it wasn't so clear cut. I kind of bounced back and forth uh, with the guy that I ended up choosing and my honorable mention. Um, kind of like you said, uh, there was one guy that that had the longevity of the career, and the other guy I felt on his time on the team was probably one of the best, if not the second best hitter on the team. So, 
the the way I went first base, Alvin Davis is my all time Mariners first baseman. Um, you know, he's in the the Mariners Hall of Fame. Um, he was at one point named Mister Mariner. You know, um, he kind of had the longevity. Didn't have too many eye popping stats, but it definitely was a big part of our history. But my honorable mention, I I would be really bad to not mention him. Um, John Olerud, uh, he played a fantastic first base. Um, one of the sweetest swings, best, best swings I've seen, you know, just could put the ball anywhere he wanted. Um, you know, he pulled the ball or drive the ball the other way. So yeah, that's, that's who I went with first base. Bo, who did, who did you Yeah, this with? is a tough one. Um, this is a really tough one. Um, because John Allroods, uh, his John Allroods, two thousand one and two thousand two were, were were just awesome, right? Three hundred hitter, four hundred on base percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, so his peak was really really good with the Mariners, um, but uh, mm-hmm. I did end up going with Alvin Davis um, in terms of wins above mm-hmm. replacement on a, uh, you know, his. Um, his baseball wins above replacement, like for in that 1994 season, 1984 season was six, right? Which is a little higher than that was the best season by a first baseman that I have recorded, right? If you're not going to include other guys that played first base, like I think Edgar played a little bit of there, but um, I did go with Alvin Davis. He has yeah. the, he has the longevity of his career. Um, a really solid, really rookie of the, I mean, one rookie of the year, 1984, um there goes there's a little bit more of this than yeah. just the stats i would say right alvin davis i don't want to say was the first mariner but i mean he was mr mariner right he was the first big player that i think we really latched on to and put us on the national scene in some instances right and said like hey we have a baseball team here right um so i like i put alvin davis here mm-hmm. um i want to even i want to give john Allred mm-hmm. more than an honorable mention because um he was just awesome while he was a Mariner. I had a poster of him on my wall when I was a kid. So I wish I could give him, I wish I could give him more. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly if I had other positions, I would, uh, if he could, if he played anywhere else, he would probably be me right there. So. Yeah. 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 I, I'm not kidding you. It's one of the sweetest swings outside of maybe Griffey that the Mariners ever had. Like the effortlessness of it like it just seemed like he was just throwing the bat out there and he could drive the ball he could pull the ball he could oh my god he he was so good so that's yeah it could you could almost you know if if that was what the the exercise was we can almost go like 1a 1b at one at first base you know you can't you can't not mention one or the other you know so all right i'm gonna kick us off here i'm gonna kick us off here so I, I this is this is I, this is my the position you were turn. thinking so about. Right? I would like to hear from you. Why okay. don't you describe to us your second baseman? Go ahead, have at it. Uh, I really think this is the position you were talking about. Um, I really think I'm going to surprise you because the the player in mention that you mentioned that could be one of my favorite players of all time. I think had the best Mariner season as a second baseman, um, you know, in terms of war, um, <laughs> really every statistical category. Um, but he is not the one I went with. I feel like 
as a whole from his Mariners career, he the guy I picked um, did a little bit better. Um, some things towards the end of his career might get him lower on some people's list, um, but I, I did choose Robbie Cano for second base. Um, I feel like he was like the first big free agent signing. I mean, it, it's weird because the Mariners have been a team since 77, but I feel like our first big free agent signing, um, you know, that came from another team came when Robbie Cano got signed, like, you know, first big contracts. So I went with Robbie Cano, just the seasons he put up, um, even his last season here, he, he was a consistent 280 to 300 hitter. Um, his war, he was probably the best player in terms of war on the team. Um, you know, so that's why I went with Robbie Cano. Brett Boone is the player that that single season, he had probably the best single season. Uh, he, he ended up on my honorable mentions list. I also had another second baseman as an honorable mention, um, Harold Reynolds. Um, his, his stats weren't too eye-popping, but he's probably the only other player in the 80s that you could probably go, oh, hey, he was a Mariner, you know, and I, I feel like that has a little bit of, of impact. Plus he could swipe a few bases, but, um, Bo, I, I could tell the look on your face. You, you are very disappointed. I'm going to go get, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go in the past and get lay it on old me. Rick and bring him back here just so he can, just so he can yell at you. I am, I am shocked that you picked, I am shocked that you I, went, you went all logical see, and picked Robinson. Cano. How dare you? But, uh, so I know you're disappointed. <laughs> I even mimicked the bat flip. <laughs> With uh, with Brett Boone, you know, two two strike bat flip, that bat would come flying out of my hands because he uh, he had an amazing stance. But yes, I had to go logical with this. I had to I had to pick Robbie Cano. Well, I don't uh, I don't blame you. I uh, I also picked Robinson Cano. Um, I took a couple different mm-hmm. cuts when I was looking at all of this, um, and I tried to look at. Uh, baseball wins above replacement on like a per game basis. Um, just trying to see, you know, what impact did they have on a per game basis that they were able to contribute. And uh, Robinson Cano's is is up there, right? We're gonna talk about a couple other guys mm-hmm. um, that's on the list, but his, you know, per game wins above replacement contribution was was higher than Brett Boone's. It was higher than. Uh, it's higher than Ichiro's, higher than Mike Cameron. So, like when he was a Mariner, he was pretty good as a Mariner and had uh, you know an outstanding 2016. And uh, I mean, he got this team almost to the playoffs in a couple of instances. Um, so when he was a Mariner, right, his time as a Mariner mm-hmm. was, I thought, uh, pretty well done. I really enjoyed. You know, I think he kind of elevated the team a little bit. And yes, it didn't end up very well, um, but. Uh, I think it actually ended up fine for the Mariners in some instances, but well, yeah, and you know, I think we got yeah. the right production out of him. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brett Boone is uh, Brett Boone is the honorable mention here. Um, you're spot on. Then the 2001 season for mm-hmm. Brett Boone um, was the best season by a second baseman. Um, maybe was mm-hmm. maybe there was also some things that Brett Boone was doing to to to. Nope. Don't, to, don't, uh, don't you say that to, to don't have you that say going that. on um but 
you know, that's it's it's no, it's don't you say that. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I think you're spot on with your honorable mentions, Harold Reynolds, um, you know, very consistent Mariner for a couple of years. Um, uh, when I was growing up, Joey Cora was my favorite second baseman. That was just, you know, that was the era that I grew up. Certainly not, certainly not a top, you know, tier <laughs> Mariner, but I, I really enjoyed Joey Cora when I was a kid, but Robinson Cano is the pick. What's it? Can I ask you about Joey Cora's brother, Alex Cora? Mm, no, I think, we're gonna pass. I think we're going to hard pass. Yeah. Okay. Just, just wondering, just wondering. <laughs> um, shortstop. Uh, they're, I, I'm sure there might be an honorable mention here for you or something, but uh, did, did you pick who I think you picked at shortstop? I did. It was the, uh, it's the, as much as murder fans may not like the guy, um, it's the only pick that really makes any sort of sense. So Alex Rodriguez was the guy. Uh, yeah. I mentioned my wins above replacement, baseball wins above replacement per game. Um, on top of that list, on top of that list is Alex Rodriguez. Um, and it, and it's not just for like, if you're looking at single season, it's not just for Mariner shortstops. It is the whole Mariners team. This includes all of Ken Griffey's years in center fielder. This includes all of Ichiro's careers in, or, you know, seasons in right field Edgar's seasons at DH he had legitimately the best war as a Mariner. What was it? 90. Uh, 98? So 98. Um, 98 was 98 was pretty good. His 2000 was the year that was the year that was the year that stuck. Oh, out. 2000. It's the highest war per it's the highest war for any Mariner right in a, in a season. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it just sticks out better than I mean, all the others. And I, there's not, there's not a close second. Um, it's just uh, he was he was just so good as a Mariner. He was very very good at a Mariner, and I and I feel like his career is a little bit forgotten about, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, uh, just based on I was going back to like I I got I got a book for for Christmas that has like old Seattle Mariners articles, right, uh, from the Seattle Times, and mm-hmm. this one talked about how Alex Rodriguez did it for the money, and in that article it talks about how you know, money is ruining baseball and whatever. And, you know, contracts are out of control. And that was in 2002. So that's a little bit of, a little bit of funny to look back at that now, but uh, yeah, I think, I think that whole like the, his taking the contract with the Rangers and selling out for money kind of obviously left a bad taste in Mariners fans mouth, right, wrong or indifferent, but uh, yeah, he had a, he had such such a very, very good time with the Seattle Mariners. No, no honorable um, mentions. I would just add, I would I add, I would add Omar's Vizquel, um, one of the best uh, defensive, um, one of the best defensive Mariners that there was, was Omar Vizquel. Um, and he could probably could have expanded upon that a little bit, but, uh, you know, now is the time where physicals really matter. And Omar Vizquel, you know, historically, I mean, famously, I think failed his historical, his physical when he was coming back to the Mariners. So he could have expanded upon that a little bit, but uh, Omar Vizquel was one of the very solid defensive Mariners back in the, back in the early nineties. So good. Uh, I would say a good uh, honorable mention for him. Okay. Okay. Um, third base, third base, you know, I'll, I'll start this one off because I know where you went with third base because you weren't going to pick the other guy. Um, 
my third baseman was Kyle Seeger. Um, I think he was a big part of the Mariners organization through the 2010s. Um, maybe the end of his career, um, maybe he ended his career a little bit early, you know, because of issues with the front office. But um, yeah, I I picked him as my third baseman. Um, Bo, who did you who did you go with? I also picked Kyle Seeger. Um, this is a little interesting, uh, just due to, um, I mean, we, I mean, we know who the DH is going to be, but, uh, Edgar did play, um, a decent amount of his early career at third base. So if you wanted to pick him here, um, it wouldn't be the worst thing, but I mean, he's, he's, he's the DH, right? So. Um, he doesn't have a third base award named after him, so uh, that's fair. But no, I went with um, yeah, I went with longevity of career here. Um, and Kyle Seeger, just these last couple years, um, has just been you know was just so consistent for the Mariners for so long, and um, gave the team a lot of loyalty. Extend, you know, signed an extension to stay here. And uh, had some pretty standout seasons. His 2016, mm-hmm. in addition to Robinson Cano's 2016, was really, really solid. Um, in terms of baseball reference war, uh, you know, one of the top, top seasons was in 2016 for a third baseman. Um, and uh, yeah, just a very consistent Mariner and really held down the fort for these last couple of years. And I think had a nice transition into this new crop of players. So I really appreciate Kyle Seeger and everything he did for the team. And he's definitely my, uh, my third baseman. And I always enjoyed watching Kyle Seeger play third base. I think that was another thing that I tried to do a little bit of the eye test with this. It's just that he was always somebody that you were never concerned about a ball getting hit over there and getting bounced or anything like that. Um, so that's kind of where I went with it. Um, do you have any honorable mentions here? Yep. Uh, I would like to honorably mention Adrian Beltre just because Bo hates Adrian Beltre. Um, uh, that is the only reason why he deserves an honorable mention. At Hate days. is a strong term. I would say disappointed in Adrian Beltre. That's, that's the best way. That's the best way I can put it. Just, just disappointed overall. That's the, that's the best way I can put it. Yep. <laughs> now, Kyle Seeger, um, is is the clear cut number one here? Um, I I might have had a tear or two down running down my face when he walked off for the final time because he did announce his retirement before well his final game. So he was kind of it was it was a sad moment because you knew that these Mariners teams going forward were going to be special, you know. And and as the as the adage goes, you know. He kind of he kind of walked so the Mariners now can run, you know, and so, yeah, Kyle Seager, third baseman. So, um, the next position we're doing is left field, and and Bo, I got to tell you, I had the absolute hardest time trying to determine my left fielder, just because there's not a very good crop of left fielders in a Mariner uniform. Yep, I agree. This was this was pretty tough. Um, this is one where the the longevity of the career versus um, 
the player's peak was um, a little tough to pin down. Um, and maybe I went with a little bit mm-hmm. of my own bias on this one just because I remember more of this player and he was also pretty good when he was a Mariner. Had some really good seasons in the middle of his career. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I ultimately ended up going with... Um, I ultimately ended up going with Raul Abanez. Um He was the guy that... Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say what I think of when I think of like a Mariner left fielder, but, um, you know, somebody that comes to top of mind to me anyways, when I think of Mariner left fielders, um, was Raul Abanez. Um, mm-hmm. Phil Bradley was the close second for me. Um, just, he had, again, he was only with the Mariners for again, five seasons, but, um, had a really stellar 1985. Um, that's MVP votes that year. He was an all-star, um, so I had a really couple good couple seasons. It was difficult for me to kind of jump back and forth. I ultimately went with Raul Banez. He had a higher career war. Um, but if you wanted to fight me and say Phil Bradley should be there, then I would I would be perfectly fine with taking that. Which uh, which direction did you go in? I am not going to fight you. I concur and went with Raul Banez here. Uh, I think what solidified his position for me. Um, probably was his third time around because he left in the nineties and went to Kansas city. And then he came back in the early two thousands and then, you know, came back for, for one more season. What was it? 2013. Um, so out of, uh, the dredges of Mariner lore, that's who I pick. And, and honestly, like I, I am, talking crap about left field but he played a very solid left field he had a very good good bat you know even his last season here he hit 30 home runs um or no 26 home runs um he hit 30 home runs i think back in the early you know 2000s um a couple times with the mariners um but yeah he was he was my left field choice and and phil bradley good on you with the with the honorable mention but i um I ultimately did not agree. I did not put him as an alter, an honorable mention. Yep. So. I mean, 156 homer, homers <laughs> in a Mariner uniform for Raul Banez. That's, you know, nothing to shrug at more than, uh, mm. more than Brett Boone, more than Robinson Cano. So, um, I think Raul Banez is a very solid mm. pick. I think the next two are, are very much givens center fielder and right fielder. So Bo, Let's just get this out of the way. You pick Ken Griffey and each year. Um, I was going to go with Malik Smith and Hiram Boca Chica in center field. I don't know about you, but um, uh, no, I uh, no. it's uh, I mean, well, 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 folks, this has been a, a great run for uh, for, <laughs> for forks down. Um, I think we are ending the show here. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good night all. Ken Griffey but Jr. Anyways. is the guy. Um, what to say about Ken Griffey? Uh, phenomenal offensively defensively when he was a Seattle Mariner 417 home runs um 292 mm-hmm. 374 on base percentage as a Mariner um I, I don't know what else you can say right um in terms of win in terms of wins above replacement for games said, kind yeah. of on my tracker here um and actually we can do this we can do this here so like we have Alex Rodriguez is number one uh wins above replacement per game mm-hmm. um there's a couple guys that played only a couple in the couple 
at bats, right? Um, so they're not really going to count them. Um, but Ken Griffey is actually number three behind players that have at least 100 games. So might be a little bit of a giveaway there. But who do you think is number two? Who do you think is number two on that list? Mm-hmm. So the players have played a number, played players have played 100 games. Alex Rodriguez is first. Ken Griffey is third. Who do you think is number two? Well, they've only had to play at right? 100 games. Oh, oh, only 100 games? I, Don't think too hard. It's okay. It's still Edgar. I don't know. I don't, Julio Rodriguez. Oh, he really. And granted, wins above, wins okay. above replacement per game is a very small, minuscule number, but. Uh, yeah, Julio's trending in the right way. So um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yes. no, what can be said about King Griffey? Um, my favorite player, my player that got me to love baseball and uh, absolutely the absolutely the guy there. One of one of probably three players that mm-hmm. saved baseball in Seattle, because without him, we probably wouldn't have this podcast. We wouldn't have T-Mobile Park. Honestly, I don't know if the Mariner or the Seahawks would have Lumen Field at this point. You know, I think I think he kind of saved Mar- or uh, Seattle sports as a whole. Now we don't talk about the Sonics, obviously, for, for reasons. Did. But <laughs> um, yeah, Ken Ken Griffey, center fielder. We don't have to talk about that. Honestly, we don't have to talk about Ichiro either because he is the greatest right fielder in Mariners history. You know, um, he's the hit king in a Mariners uniform um, probably had the best defense of any Mariners player. You know, I, I would feel with how many gold gloves he got and um, his arm, his arm is, was nasty. I still, to this day, look up the, uh, the play in Oakland with him thrown out. Was it Terrence long? I think it was Terrence long. Um, So yeah. So Ichiro right field, Ken Griffey center. The only reason I, I want to skip past this is because did you have honorable mentions for these two? So I did. Like I mean, you know, I'm not going to be close to either of them a lot. Right. Um, but uh, oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. you have yeah. to say something about Mike Cameron, right? The time for when he came over to the absolutely. Mariners. Yes. Um, I would put I would put Mike Cameron as a very, very solid number two behind Ken Griffey, um, uh, which is mm-hmm. phenomenal as a Mariner. Um, and uh um, mm-hmm. I think Mike Cameron's, I think you could make a case that Mike Cameron was more effective as a Mariner that then Ken Griffey was almost as a red. Right. Um, so uh, mm-hmm. very, very solid career by Mike Cameron. And then the other one I had, um, I did give an honorable mention to, uh, to Franklin Gutierrez. Um, Franklin Gutierrez. I did. Yes. Franklin really? Gutierrez had a, very solid career for the Mariners. Very solid six seasons for the Mariners when you go back and look mm-hmm. at it. And you talk about uh, defensive metrics. Franklin Gutierrez was one of the best for a couple of years there. And then he started to kind of get hurt and kind of change his career a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. Franklin Gutierrez is the death flying things, right? Um, you know, um, one, of my, one of my favorite guys. Mike, see, I look back on when Ken Griffey got traded to the Reds, you know, and it was not an A-Rod situation in the, the least because, you know, Ken Griffey's dad had history with the Reds, so, like, it made sense him going to the Reds. I don't think we could have picked a better player to replace Ken Griffey. 
like Mike Cameron, maybe his stats as a whole aren't eye popping, but like the swagger he brought to center field, like he had a couple all star seasons. And I mean, 2001, you could argue, could be up there as one of the best seasons the center fielder had in a Mariners uniform. So, like, you know, that is that, that's a great honorable mention. Solid number two, and and definitely the like. We could talk about Ken Griffey until we're blue in the face. Mike Cameron's the guy I wanted to talk about because, or at least wanted to get brought up because because he has a big place in our childhoods. You know, this mm-hmm. is when we were in Little League growing up, and he, he was really the you know the guy outside of Griffey in Seattle that you wanted to mimic. Um, and then for Franklin Gutierrez, I actually did not have him as an honorable mention. And honestly, I, I totally forgot about him until you brought him up, um, which is blasphemous for me because Goody was one of my favorite players. So like, you know, you brought up Brett Boone being my favorite player in kind of the early two thousands. Goody was my favorite player, you know, the years he was here, you know, and, and he, I, I really wish he didn't have the injury bug. You know, I, I really think he could have been one of the better Mariners outfielders, um, you know, in in Mariners history. But, you know, we we didn't get that. We still got, you know, great defensive plays, you know, death to flying, flying things. But, um, yeah. yeah, so I'm glad you brought up Goody because I, I would have forgot. But Goody, if you're listening – um, and then uh, you mentioned right field. Uh, the other I want to mention, um, he's very much more than an honorable mention. Um, you know, if you could, I would just, he played a couple games in left field. So if you could, you could slot him in left field. It's, it's, it's bone. If, it's just Jay Buhner. I mean, if, um, it, if, if we went and if we didn't do left center, right. And we just did three outfielders. Mm-hmm. Buhner would be the third outfielder. But I, like it, he would be, it would be, it would be outfield, 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 JB and her Ken Griffey, Ichiro. And I think where he, I think he transcends the game a little bit for Seattle just because he's, he became a pretty big public figure, you know, like, you know, some of the promos around the stadium in the kingdom were like bone night, you know, where everyone would, you know, if they wanted to shave your head, they'd do it for free. So you can look like the bone, you know, and, and he just, you know, he's, he's a big part of that community. And I mean, anyone that gets mentioned on Seinfeld, you know, like, like probably should, should be in an all-time team for their team. And, and Jay Buhner was, was definitely one of those players that, that got mentioned on Seinfeld, you know, which is at one time the biggest comedy in the U S if not the world. Yep. So, uh, Agree with everything. He's, uh, I like your note about transcending a lot. Um, very much agree with, uh, with all that. And, um, certainly on a, certainly on a first team Mariner team somewhere in there. Um, all right. Well, let's see here. You wanted to do, I mean, should we even mention DH? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, well, obviously, obviously DH is going to be the same for both of us. It is probably the greatest Mariners hitter of all time. He's got a designated hitter award named after him. Um, he, he's very synonymous with the designated hitter. 
Um, Edgar Martinez, you know, um, he's got streets named after him. He's got Edgar's Cantina. He, he's another one like Ken Griffey. Like, what do we say that we haven't already said before? Because he's very, very much that guy in Seattle. We want, he he kind of transcends like Jay Beaner does. He's still a part of that community. He he doesn't need to go into any bar and buy himself a beer because he will have beers bought for him. You know, he is probably my favorite Mariner of all time. Edgar Martinez is the man, and so. uh, I think it's still shameful that it took him as long as he did to get into the Hall of Fame just based upon how good he was, how good his career was, and he was somebody that transcended his stat line quite a bit. Um, when I went to the hall of fame ceremony in 2019 to go see Edgar get elected, um, it was the same year as Mariana Rivera and there was a guy there and he was talking about, um, you know, he watched a lot of nineties baseball and there, he said there was only ever like one player that he would ever get nervous about when they came to the plate. Right. And, uh, that was Edgar Martinez. Um, and I feel like that is going to kind of encapsulate who Edgar was, right. He was just somebody that was, uh, you know, always that you always thought that he was going to get a hit. You always thought he was going to get a hit in the right spot. And, um, he, I think he, he outplayed what his statistics were just based upon his, you know, his depth at the play and, um, you know, how good, mm-hmm. um, I think that everybody respected him and, uh, you can even go back to like what Pedro Martinez said about him, right? Said that he was the hardest, you know, hardest guy he ever mm-hmm. faced to kind of get out. Um, that's uh, that's pretty big kudos to, to Edgar, and um, which, he's the guy. Which, yeah, Pedro, I mean, when he got asked that question, it could have been easy for him to say anyone that was on the Yankees at that mm-hmm. time. You know, any, any other of the feared hitters. And the first thing out of his mouth was Edgar. You know, like, that says something. You know, and we, he was Seattle baseball. He, him and Ken Griffey, you know, we said Ken Griffey probably saved Seattle sports as a whole, but like Edgar should be right up there too. You know, we would not have the Mariners without Edgar's hit in 95. We would not have the Mariners. So, yep. Um, Okay. So we, we threw, before we get to the pitching rotation, I I wanted to throw in, a utility player as well. Bo, did you do a utility player? I did. I thought this was pretty obvious. Um, I thought this was pretty obvious because he is the Mariner utility player. Um, I went with Mark McElmore. Oh, no, you didn't, Bo. No, you didn't. Actually, I mean, I understand why you didn't. But no, you didn't. Who did you go with? Yeah. <sighs> Just because I wanted him mentioned because of his name alone. And he almost was my favorite player in the, you know, mid 2000s. Uh, ah. Willie Bloomquist. Uh, he was so much fun. Could play any position. Oh, I'm sorry. Bro, I'm, I'm disappointed. Sorry. Mark McElmore is a good. Uh, that's, that's that's our, our first, first miss, yeah. too. We have went this whole way. No misses. And you had to pick Mark McElroy. Big contributor on two thousand one. He was he was he was he was good man. I I, I really like the Willie yes. Bloomquist pick though. I uh, I really like that a lot. So I you know with that I mean 
no, nothing ever popped out with Willie Bloomquist's stats. Um, the reason I picked him was Mark McLemore played a lot of games with Texas, and he was only on the Mariners for a couple of years. So at his peak, obviously he was better than Willie. Willie has the longevity, and uh, I can't remember now. Is he a coach at Arizona State? Pretty he's sure a he's coach a coach at Arizona now. State. Yep. So. Yep. So Willie, we miss you. Or I miss you. Maybe not because <laughs> he didn't pick you, but I miss you. <laughs> All right. Pitching rotation. We went five in the pitching row. Um, the top three are fairly obvious to any Mariners fan that has been a Mariner fan for more than probably 15 years. But uh, I'm, I'm interested on your last two. So, um, Let's start one through three. Let's just get those out sure. of the way. So one through three, uh, no surprise here. Went Randy Johnson, Felix Hernandez, and and Jamie Moyer. Um, so shouldn't be mm-hmm. shouldn't be a shock to the system there at all. Um, and then yeah. yeah, this is this is I guess this was a little boring. I ended up going kind of the war route and seeing who had the highest pitching war. Um, and also I mixed in like who had some of the best seasons as Mariner pitchers. Um, so I went, I also went with Freddie Garcia and Mark Langston. Those were the two that I obviously I ended up going with. Um, I have a couple honorable mentions, but why don't you, uh, why don't you rattle off who you have? Uh, very, very similar top four, obviously Felix. I went number one. I feel like, uh, you can't go wrong with either Felix or Randy. Um, if if I was to put this team out on the field uh, for opening day, I would have Felix start opening day. You know, peak Felix to me was peak, just just peak. But uh, Randy Johnson, obviously, Jamie Moyer, obviously. Um, you know, I go back to Little League and be like, oh, I could hit Jamie Moyer. I I don't with the movement on his pitches i don't think i could don't think i could i mean major leaguers were looking silly facing jamie moyer and actually jamie moyer had the third most um opening day starts for the mariners with five so um yeah jamie moyer number three number four i did go freddie uh he's the he's one of the two players at the end there that i picked peak over longevity um didn't have a very long career with the Mariners but um you know all-star in 2001 was a big reason we won 116 games I feel like he deserves that pitching rotation slot uh number five I I bounced between my pick and Mark Langston Mark Langston um probably the only Mariners pitcher outside of uh what was this Mike Moore known in the in the 80s you know pre-1990 um, but I ultimately went with someone that's a little, little bit more new school. I went with Hasashi Iwakuma. Um, dude had some nasty pitches, and I feel like if he didn't get the injury bug, he would have uh, continued to climb the Mariners, um, the Mariners' records. Um, just because I, I really think he could have won a Cy Young at one point. You know, um, just with how nasty. Yep. He was. No, that's. Uh, um, I'm I'm disappointed we didn't get. I I feel like his prime. Was no, I agree. And his uh, 
So. I think there's a very good case that he should have won the Cy Young in 2013. Actually, he had um, he had the highest WAR baseball baseball reference WAR in that season. Um, maybe he didn't he didn't strike out as much as mm-hmm. as many as like you Darvish or Max Scherzer that season, but uh, Sashi Wakuma had was phenomenal in 2013. Um, you know, threw a no hitter as the Mariner, um, had mm-hmm. some memorable moments. So. I really like that pick. He was my he was my he was my mm-hmm. first. He was the first honorable mention I had off the list there. Um, I, I kind of went with Mark Langston a little bit just because um, I like felt like he was one of the first. I would say Mariners pitchers that kind of put them on the map a little bit. Right, had two really good back to back seasons in eighty seven and eighty eight. So that's kind of what stuck out to me when I picked him. Um, but uh, I do not disagree. I wouldn't. I'm not going to fight you too hard on the Iwakuma stuff. That's uh, it's a very very solid pick. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, did you have any more honorable? Um, so I mean, on that note of of the eighties pitchers, you know, I did include. Mike Moore and Eric Hansen. Um, you can look at baseball reference war or Fangraphs war. Fangraphs war does have Mike Moore four and Eric Hansen five. Um, so just had some underrated careers, I think as Mariners, um, you know, didn't really stick out. I would say too much in the Mariners lore there, but uh, you know, historically just very good Mariners um, that I think are worth mentioning in some capacity. Yeah. I think the reason I didn't go with Mike Moore, um, at least even for an honorable mention, is he, and I mean, there were some pretty terrible Mariners teams in the 80s. Um, He, and wins and losses don't paint the whole picture, but he had won, or he had lost more games than he won in his uniform. So it was, it was very, you know, neither, neither the uh, other five on my list did. That's fair. Um, and then rounded out, um, we went five in the bullpen. Um, really, it's probably going to be a boring list, but um, this is the position I had most trouble with outside of left field, just because a lot of these guys didn't play a lot of games in a Mariners uniform. Um, one guy in particular only made it because he has the most games played or games pitched in Mariners uniform. Um and he actually was the only non closer, um, but uh, who did who did you go with, Bo? I, I'm intrigued to see who you went sure. With so I'll uh, I'll just run down the list here. Um, in no particular order. I have uh, Kaz Sasaki, Arthur Rhodes, Jeff Nelson, uh, JJ Putz, and Edwin Diaz. We only differ on one person. That's uh, that's impressive. Uh, Kazasaki, I mean, 2000 AL Rookie of the Year. Um, I think he, if we were to put our bullpens out, I think he would be the clear-cut closer. I think I'd have Eddie Diaz setting up. Um, and then my the one guy I was talking about, Jeff Nelson, has the most games played or games pitched in a Mariners uniform, something like 432 um, so that's why he made the list and he actually was very solid and he had two stints with the Mariners. He went from the Mariners to Yankees and then came back to the Mariners. Um, JJ puts number four for me, um, electric stuff. I felt like he had a better career as a diamondback. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that, but I, I, 
I almost didn't put him on this list, but I felt like I'd be remiss if I didn't. And then number five, you went with Arthur Rhodes, and I like that pick. I went with someone that um, was very much underrated um, for his time here. He didn't start out as a closer, um, and and honestly, he had uh, only a couple good seasons. But I put Tom Williamson here, um, the Snapdragon, the bartender. Um, we had some pretty terrible teams, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s, and he was kind of one of the bright spots, and he kind of came out of nowhere. And, uh, um, you know, I feel like this one's probably more of a personal bias for me just because I I liked watching him pitch. Tom Wilhelmson was so. on my – he was on my – on my honorable mentions, I did have him there. I think at one point I kind of moved him and him and Jeff Nelson around. I, I like Jeff Nelson, but you've you've pointed this out numerous times that he he played a lot of games in a Mariner uniform, and I think that kind of you know accumulated over time and you know made us all think that he was maybe better yeah. than he was. So I kind of bounced around him and him and Jeff Nelson a little bit, but um. Yeah, I like the pick. I personally love Arthur Rhodes. I liked his time as a Mariner, and um, he had a oh, really yeah. solid 2000. What was it? 2001, where I think he went eight no that year, um, and uh, eight no as a mm-hmm. uh, you know as a reliever. Um, so I really liked Arthur Rhodes. That's the reason I picked him there. What were I didn't really have any other standout honorable mentions, maybe besides Tom Wilhelmson. I have a couple Mariner moments. I have one particular Mariner moment that stuck out with a reliever in my mind that he's not, it's not really an honorable mention. It's more of a moment. And then I have one particular season for a pitcher that I want to call out, but was there any other, was there any other players or any other else on the pitching side that you wanted to pick out? I think the only player that would be absolutely worth mentioning mentioning is uh heathcliff heathcliff slocum um he really set us back a while no i'm just kidding i i really don't have anyone heathcliff else slocum <laughs> my man um, uh, no i had uh the only two other call outs i had was bill caldill in um 1982 right so we're we don't have i don't have much trivia for this time around but bill caldill in 1982 um he he only had 26 saves, but he didn't start a single game. Guess what Bill Caldell's win-loss record was in 1982 as a reliever? 12 and 9. 12 and 9 as a reliever. As a reliever. Yes. Very odd. Very odd. Yes. Wow. Uh, but uh, in terms of wins above replacement on a per season basis he had the highest he had the highest season in 1982 um he actually ended up being seventh in the Cy mm-hmm. young votes that year and kind of looked like he was trending up and then he had some shoulder issues so just to call out that the best pit best season by yeah. a mariner reliever was that year in 1982 so it was tough for me not to put him there um and then the only other thing of note that i have was um my favorite my favorite well, like uh was uh Yorvis Modina buckling um alexi rodriguez alexi ramirez in 2014 is one of my all-time like videos i love to go back to and watch so that's it. what's the only one of the moments i can think about is as a reliever is just when uh yoris Mardina just buckles buckles alexi ramirez just horribly and it's uh i love it so the only other thing i have 
Yep. Funky Cold Medina. Yeah. Well, you know what? Tom Wilhelms, uh, Tom Wilhelmson made my list. Maybe not because he's a, he was a solid pitcher, but because of that dance in 2014, I was at the game when Oakland clinched the playoff spot and the Mariners found out that they were playing for nothing. Um, it was around the fifth inning. Felix got taken out um, to, you know, standing ovation. Um, Seeger got taken out, standing O. Um, you know, he, they just started pulling players out. And then um, at the end of the game, uh, <laughs> we were, I was with my friend Ryan and my friend Zach Bickering. Shout out Ryan and Zach. Um, Tom came in from the bullpen and started break dancing. Um, well, not break dancing. I don't even know what kind of dance you want to call it. He was busting a move though, um, right as he was getting to the Mariners dugout, and uh, I, I I know there's video of it on the Mariners social media. Um, but then right after that, my friend Ryan got up on the seats in Safeco T-Mobile Park and started burning. Um, in front of everyone while Tom Lompson was dancing. And I've got video of that. So that's one of my favorite moments. Probably probably why I like Tom Wilhelmson so much. Um, you know, Snapdragon bartender. You know, whatever you want to nickname him. He was fun to watch and, and had a couple um, memorable moments. I like it. Way. I like it. So, um, yep. So, anyways, that was, uh, that was our all-time Mariners teams. I... You know what? I shouldn't be surprised, though, that every time we do stuff like this, we're very similar in all aspects. Because, honestly, like, last week we did the same thing with, you know, what we were talking about last week. And, and this week we're doing it again. Yep. So, um, it's just, we're, we're two peas in go. a pod, I guess. I guess this is why we we do it. We do the podcast together right you're not gonna get much fight <laughs> except for, for except for mark macklemore like mark you should have picked willie bloomquist i'm completely disappointed in you. I'm, I'm disappointed i didn't even think of willie bloomquist so i'm i'm sorry i'm sorry next time willie i promise i you know what i remember from high school baseball um we would always well not necessarily when you were around, but there was a particular person I would play catch with, and we would discuss Mariner's middle infield, even though neither me nor him were middle infielders. So I want to also give a shout-out to Jose Lopez and Unieski Betancourt, just because, you know, you're very memorable, you know, to me in my mind, because, you know, you would get talked about a lot during baseball practice. Awesome, so. awesome. Anyways, Bo, you you don't have trivia this week, right? Now your Cottle trivia no, was the only bit of trivia. No trivia. No, we 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 did a couple questions there. We'll come back with a full no with a with a full give you give you your best shot trivia question next week. Okay, sounds good. I'll hold you to that. I'm gonna put it on the list to make sure you do do it, just so people can hear me fail at being a Mariners fan. So, um. Bo, anything else before we get out of here? No, for the that night? was a lot of fun. No, I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward, uh, looking forward to next week. Appreciate, it, man. 
For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific, Northwest, and beyond, I want to thank you for taking your time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. We'll be back next week with you. And uh, I don't think we've determined what we're talking about, but we will be back next week. So, for Bochism, I'm Rick Clark, and we will see you guys next week.